Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, January the 9th, 2023, a new year, new resolutions. Many of us want to take command of ourselves, improve ourselves, build or rebuild ourselves. And of course, the great master of reinvention, of taking command of oneself, was the 20th century uh, American writer and activist and businessman, Dale Carnegie. Uh, his classic book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is, is perhaps the most famous of all. Uh, American self-help books came out in 1936, uh, of course, a year where there was perhaps a great deal of need for self-help. Carnegie may not be with us anymore, but his ideas remain. There's a Dale Carnegie training institute, and his legacy has been left in all sorts of ways in which people still use his principles to train people. My guest today is very much... Uh, a follower of, of Dale Carnegie. He is the president and CEO of Dale Carnegie Training, Joe Hart. He's based in Michigan, and he's the co-author of a book that's about to come out. It's coming out tomorrow, January 10th, 2023. It's called Take Command, Find Your Inner Strength, Build Enduring Relationships, and Live the Life You Want. Joe is joining us, as I said, from just outside Detroit. Um, Joe, is it any coincidence that this book is coming out in early January? Is it a New Year resolution kind of book? Hey, first of all, Andrew, it's great to be with you. Uh, really excited to be with you on your show. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it is not a coincidence. In fact, I mean, this is a, uh, it's a New Year, New You type of thing. This is a lot of people are looking at 2023 and they're saying, hey, I got to take command. As you said correctly, I got to take command of myself. And that's really what this book is about, taking command of your thoughts and emotions, about your relationships and, and your future. Tell us a little bit about Carnegie. He's a mythical figure. Um, give us a, a brief introduction to his life and, and, and how he came to be a pioneer in the field of self-help. Yeah, so clearly a, an absolutely brilliant man who really defined and understood how uh, people work and, and wrote, as you said, the, the seminal book. I mean, he started out in very humble beginnings. He was born uh, poor in Missouri on a farm. Uh, he struggled with poverty for the, the uh, early part of his life. He came from a very loving home, just uh, they, they greatly struggled. Um, his family had moved near a, a college, which is now the University of Central Missouri. And uh, he went in at that time, he was, the thought was maybe to become a teacher, but uh, he discovered at that time he had this ability for public speaking and for debating. And he decided really to, and he was on fire with that. So at first he decided to go into sales. He had a very uh, unsuccessful first sales effort and then a hugely successful uh, second one. And then on the cusp of that, uh, having you know that success, he decided to go to New York to study acting. And he discovered he wasn't you know, that really not was. the first or the last, Joe, to do that, and probably not the first or the last to realize that he wasn't quite cut out for it. No, and at least he, he discovered that, I think, fairly early. So he found himself in 1912, in October 1912, 
um, trying to figure out what he wanted to do and decided he would teach public speaking. So he was teaching at the YMCA in Harlem. And uh, it was interesting because he, he had these people there who wanted to learn techniques of public speaking. He started to run out of things to talk about. And so he, he called people up and, and started to have them speak. And what he discovered was he saw in people just kind of how the experience of standing in front of other people kind of activated them. They had to face their fears and their concerns and their lack of their, their doubts and so forth. And, you know, that was a starting point for him to realize that, that public speaking, not only improving in the way that we communicate, but also just in the act of uh, being around other people and doing that can be a great way to build confidence. And that was really the birth of the Dale Carnegie course. We've had millions and millions of people who've taken that program over the last 110 years. Uh, How to Win Friends, as you said, he wrote in 1936, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, another phenomenal. Yeah, I want to come to that other book, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. Your co-author, um, uh, Joe, on the book is Michael Crom, who has written two or three books on sales. If you peel this stuff away, is it a sales manual? Is that what in some ways Carnegie was teaching Americans to do, to sell, sell other people's stuff, and I guess also to sell oneself? Joe, I lost you. Uh, I lost the vi- the audio. It must be uh, Dale Carnegie. Oh, sorry, can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, I think it's more than than that. I mean, certainly how we communicate and express ourselves is an important part of what he articulated. But you know, Carnegie was someone who really was focused on the other person. He believed that every person had inherent uh, greatness. He he had quoted in How to Win Friends from Ralph Waldo Emerson that every person I meet is my superior in some way, and then I learn from from him. And his idea was, you know, look, when you're talking to someone, understand your your audience, this goes to public speaking too. You know, who am I thinking about when I'm giving a a, a talk? Am I thinking about myself? Am I worried about how I'm going to look? Or am I trying to share something that I'm excited about, eager to, to, to share, and that I've earned the right to share and so forth? So you think about your audience, and that's really where his orientation was. He would say, you know, if I'm talking to Andrew Keene, you know, I, I really want to understand Andrew. I don't want to just come out and just talk about myself. I really want to I want to listen to Andrew. I want to learn from Andrew. I want to ask questions of Andrew. I want to appreciate Andrew. I mean, all of those kinds of things. And that was really, I think, a new orientation for people, uh, particularly at that time. You mentioned Ralph Waldo Emerson, of course, another iconic American. Uh, 19th century one this time. Uh, Dale Carnegie also wrote uh, a biography of Abraham Lincoln, perhaps the greatest of all 19th century Americans, Lincoln the Unknown. Uh, How quintessentially American in your mind is Dale Carnegie, or was he and his ideas? Well, he certainly was uh, influenced by American uh, ideology it was interesting, though, he, he spent uh, quite a considerable amount of time traveling. Um, so particularly as he, as he became more successful, he traveled the world. He traveled when, when people really weren't traveling as extensively as he was. And he also, in writing How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, even before that time, he studied people. He studied humanity. He read everything he could, you know, going back to, to the Greeks and, and before and so forth. And so he really tried to orient himself to be a, a man of the world, a thinker of the world. And I think he captured that. So when we talk about, say, how to win friends or how to stop worrying or even the Dale Carnegie program, what we have is something that is rooted in 
human principles, human ideas, who we are as, as people, uh, though, although clear, clearly influenced by his uh, American upbringing as well. You use the word ideology. Often Europeans in particular look for their version of ideology, political ideology in America, and generally don't find it. The left-right divisions in Europe don't always work in America. But there is an American ideology, perhaps of self-restraint and self-control, very much a legacy of Protestantism and the foundations of this country. Um, in that sense, was there something ideological about Carnegie and his ideas? I think he was certainly uh, influenced by the idea of, you know, uh, certainly the, the rugged individualism, so to speak, the idea that we should take control, take command, if you will, of, of ourselves, of, um, you know, making things happen. I mean, he, he believed that people had an incredible amount of potential and that it was really their responsibility and their opportunity to develop that potential in order to live a more complete life. So, you know, to, to some degree, you know, that was a uh, maybe kind of the um, maybe a, a Protestant kind of uh, uh, notion or the uh, kind of like that rugged individualism uh, of America so, and so forth. But again, he, he really did uh, draw from a lot of other uh, views and cultures uh, as well. A few years before Carnegie wrote um, How to Win Friends and Influence People in 1936, actually about 15 years before, German sociologist, as more than 20, 20 years before, German sociologist called Max Weber came to America to make sense of it. It's sort of an early 20th century version, I guess, of Alexis de Tocqueville. And from that trip and his experiences and conversations and research, Weber wrote uh, The Protestant Ethic and the Origins of Capitalism, in which he associated Calvinism and an American form of Protestantism with the origins of capitalism. How bound up, in your view, are Carnegie's ideas or ideology with the American version of, of capitalism? I don't know if I would say capitalism per se as much as I'd say it was uh, opportunity in the sense that we think about, I guess, if you think about, you know, capitalism as, as one of a you know, free market type of uh, uh, economy, so to speak, um, you know, I think Carnegie would have taken the view, Dale would have taken the view that, um, you know, people have the opportunity to develop themselves and make things happen for themselves. Sorry. That's Carnegie's spirit again. Yeah, I, I apologize. I have I have uh, dogs that are supposed to be silenced here, but um, they they obviously they, haven't read Dale Carnegie, have they? <laughs> they they haven't. So, um, I'm sorry. I I didn't know if you wanted to edit that out or if you want me to keep going. No, no. Con continue. We try to be as authentic as we can on this show. So con well, continue with, the theme with, of. With, Maybe I can refine the question a little bit more. But what Weber saw in America and in capitalism, the kind of capitalism in America, was what he interpreted as a, a sort of a spiritual isolation. It, it, it was the uncertainty about what happens to us after we die, Weber believed, that resulted in us working so hard and uh, valuing so greatly earthly rewards. We didn't want to make money to spend it on fast cars or fancy homes. We wanted it of proof of our goodness. And I wonder whether there's an element of, a, of Carnegie in those observations. Of course, Weber came 
to the book and the arguments before Carnegie wrote his own work? Certainly there was a, a, uh, a part of Carnegie that would have said, yes, um, you know, we, we want to uh, bring out the best in other people and we want to have a positive impact. In fact, Dale Carnegie, when he was talking about how to win friends and, and the things that he had embodied in that book, said, you know, th this, is, this is a new way of life. It, it's about um, people experiencing rich relationships, about living, you know, much fuller lives and so forth. So I think part of why he was so passionate, part of his dream was, when, especially in his classrooms, you know, and, and Andrew, you, you may have talked to people who've taken Dale Carnegie programs or read Dale Carnegie book. I mean, when I was traveling all over the world, people would tell me about the impact that our programs would have. And, and certainly they tell me that uh, today all the time. You know, and, and so I think what Dale experienced was this inner awakening that people could have in his programs or reading his book. And uh, and he wanted more people to have that because the, the things that he was teaching, the principles he was teaching, the ideas, you know, really are, are common for humanity, if you will. And I think his aspiration, you know, was that these would be transformative, that they would live, help people. If you took one of his programs or if you read the book or even if, if you just lived these ideas, that you would have stronger relationships, you'd be more successful, you'd be more successful because you'd be able to interact with people more effectively, you'd understand, you'd respect, you'd appreciate people, you'd listen to people, you'd understand, you'd learn. Um, and the same thing would be true, not just in our business lives, and certainly a lot of people who, who I think aspired to learn from Carnegie were, were interested in advancing themselves in business. But, in, but similarly in, in, in family and, and in community and so forth. So, you know, going back to your, your question about Max Weber and, and the um, kind of maybe this aspiration of goodness, if you will, I, I do think that was definitely something that drove Dale Carnegie. He, he had a dream and part of that dream was about enabling people to live you know, rich lives. And Joe, we, we haven't brought up the D word, democracy. I think one of the other things about Carnegie, which made him, and makes him still perhaps quite a radical thinker was the premise that anyone can win friends and influence people. You didn't have to go to Oxford University or Harvard University. You didn't have to be born into a fancy family. If, uh, if Dale Carnegie could do it, then you could too. So essentially his work, at least in his mind, was accessible and relevant for anyone. Is that fair? Completely fair. It's, in fact, it's very well put. He, he viewed himself as a farm boy from Missouri. And, uh, you know, and he was someone who was interacting with the highest echelons of society, with with presidents, with business leaders, with politicians, with actors and, and celebrities and so forth. And yet he viewed himself as a very common person, uh, a very humble person, uh, a very unassuming person. But I think that's exactly the point, which is, is that, you know, what he was teaching was something that could be relevant, really, and useful to anyone in any, any strata of their, their lives. Did he have any particular sensibility to outsiders? Obviously, in the mid-1930s or in the 1920s, the great racial divide in America still defined the country in many ways. Or, or was he still essentially a, a white man writing for white Americans? Dale Carnegie was a man of the world. I mean, he was someone who, especially um, for the, the the time, really, I think, had spent time uh, all over America and also outside of America. He spent uh, years in Europe. He traveled to Asia. Um, he spent time uh, in, in China. And he, he talked about that. And he talked about, I think, the, the influence 
of those things on him. They um, gave him greater context, greater perspective. So, um, but going back to your, your your prior question, you know, Dale's view was that that everyone could and should benefit um, from the types of things that he was uh, teaching. It was not this is not just for a certain group of people, it, but he you know he respected, and he believed, and he saw the goodness and the dignity in every person. And he wanted everyone to be able to have that. I'm speaking with Joe Hart, the co-author of a new book, Take Command, Find Your Inner Strength, Build Enduring Relationships, and Live the Life You Want. It's a Dale Carnegie book. We're going to take a short break now, um, uh, Joe and everybody else, all our listeners and viewers. And then I want to come back and I want to talk about the book, Take Command, what it is and what you're arguing. So stay with us, everyone. We'll be back in about 30 seconds. Hi everyone, Andrew here again. I'm not sure if you're listening or watching or even reading about this Keenon show. I certainly hope you're enjoying it, but I wanted to remind you that there are many different ways you can use to enjoy my Keenon show. The first, of course, is by, in a very traditional way, subscribing to the audio-only podcast. You can do this um, using Apple or Spotify or CastBox or many of the other traditional uh, podcast distribution platforms. We're on all of them. And if you want to access uh, all the podcasts together, you can go to my LitHub page um, in their podcast section, which is dedicated to all the interviews. Uh, if you're into watching this, as opposed to simply listening, um, if you follow me on Twitter at AJ Keen, you can watch these shows live uh, and you can do the same um, if we're connected uh, on LinkedIn. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not a great fan of Facebook, but LitHub is. And on their LitHub live page, you can watch these shows live as well. Um, in terms of uh, recorded videos, uh, not live, you can see all the shows on the LitHub YouTube page. So whatever your preference, whatever your taste, whether it's video or audio or text, there's no excuse for not watching or listening to my show. Now back to Keynote. We're back with Joe Hart, the co-author of Take Command, in a way, I guess, a rewrite of Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People is just out. So, Joe, why the need for the book? Why shouldn't people just go back to Carnegie's original classic? Is this in some ways an update of Carnegie or is it somehow new in a different kind of way? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And, and just to clarify, too, because I don't think that uh, Michael or I would be uh, so presumptuous as to think that we could rewrite those masterpieces. I mean, Dale Carnegie was brilliant. And, you know, the uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living are two books that have greatly influenced both me and Michael. And so our view was, how do we how do we build on these books? How do we uh, take these ideas and and kind of honor them and incorporate them into a new book? Um, really for today's reader that's got diverse stories from people all over the world, um, the context and the situations and the principles and the language is all, you know, really around today. But, but this book brings together 
multiple ideas from Dale Carnegie, not just from a single book. So the first part of this book is take command, part one, take command of your thoughts and your emotions. And that really draws from how to stop worrying and start living and then builds on that. The second part of the book, once you've done that, you've gotten resilient, you're, you're dealing with fears and insecurities, whatever it might be, is take command of your relationships. So that's drawing on the wisdom of how to stop or how to win friends and influence people. And then the third part of the book, Andrew, is about take command of your future. And we this comes from a Dale Carnegie program. If you take a Dale Carnegie course, one of the things that we focus on is, you know, what's your vision for yourself? You know, what, what are your values? What are the things that are really important to you? Where do you want to be and where do you want to go? And, and we really are covering that in, in part three. So we're, we're bringing in a lot of ideas all into one book. And the goal of this book is really to help people. We want it to be a manual, um, you know, a blueprint for, you know, how you can take command of your life and live the life you want. So it's a trinity. Take command of your thoughts and emotions. Take command of your relationships. Take command of your future. Um, how relevant is the fact, uh, Joe, that this is being published in 2023, a year or two after the pandemic, a time in American history of great in, in economic, technological uncertainty? Some, some people might even suggest a time of almost existential uncertainty. Are we living in particularly unsettling times where most of us don't feel in control of our lives? It, it does feel that way, doesn't it? I mean, there's so much that has happened and that is happening. And, you know, frankly, it, it feels existential at times. And, you know, I, I don't know that we would, Michael or I would have written this book. I think we were inspired by what was happening, particularly during COVID and particularly during the lockdowns. I remember talking to Michael in June of 2020, just about all that was happening and, and all that I had gone through. And I talk about this in chapter one of the book. And just how, you know, the world was facing and continues to face, you know, fears and threats and all kinds of things that can impact our emotional state, impact our relationships, impact, you know, how we how we uh, live our lives. But the reality is, and this goes back to what Dale Carnegie talked about in How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, you know, our thoughts matter. I mean, he quotes Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperor, is saying, you know, our lives are what our thoughts make it. And two people can be in the exact same situation, same set of facts. One person is miserable. The other person is excited. What's the difference? The difference is our thoughts. It's how we, we see things. So we, we both Michael and I felt strongly that, you know, the world needed. And this is really a book that's written for a younger generation. You know, um, you know Andrew, you and I, you know, we, we've lived a number of years on the planet um, one of the advantages that we have is we've got some wisdom and some perspective from from those years. To speak to yourself. Uh, <laughs> well, so I've, I I've read some things. I know it's uh, both of us. In fact, the longer I live, the the less certainty I have about everything. But maybe that's my problem. Well, that's there, there's there's truth in that too. Too. Less but it's interesting you bring up the generational thing. I was going to ask you about that. I know you've got two daughters. I've got two children. Um, to what extent do you think there is more anxiety these days than, say, 10 or 15 years ago? Uh, you, you've mentioned Carnegie's other classic, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. To what extent are the younger generation infected with this horrible pandemic, almost, of anxiety, of worrying? Yeah, we're, we're seeing things that we have not seen before. And we, I mean, clearly in terms of levels of anxiety and all of the different uh, maladies that people have that really have occurred even over the last 
20 years. And there's clearly, I, I know you would agree based on, I've, you know, I've listened to your podcast and, and read some of your work that I mean, we've got this polarization um, that people can have, this isolation where you've got more technological connection, yet people are more isolated. And and all of this has is, is created just challenges for, for people. I mean, every day, you know, how do you confront just the, the, the small things or the big things? And how do we make sure we're not making small things into big things? I mean, you know, you can, we can go on to social media or get an email or whatever it might be. And all of a sudden it just ruins our day. It's like, well, how do we equip ourselves? And this is why we thought, you know, how do we bring Dale Carnegie's wisdom? How do we update that wisdom and contextualize it for today's world so that people can have access to it? And going back to a question you asked a few minutes ago, you know, my hope would be that people do go back and read how to win friends and influence people and how to stop worrying and go to the source, pick a Dale Carnegie class, because, you know, these are things that that truly uh, can build on that that transformation, uh, that investment that we make in ourselves. It's funny that you mentioned uh, Marcus Aurelius, the the founder, I guess, in in some ways of s stoical philosophy, who has become incredibly fashionable. Lots of best-selling books about Marcus Aurelius and Stoicism. Uh, are you suggesting that C Carnegie was, in his own way, a, a Stoic or perhaps a, a prophet of this? 20th or 21st century version of Stoicism? You know, he certainly quotes many Stoics in his writings. I think he was uh, influenced by a, a wide range of, of uh, classical thinkers and, and modern thinkers of his time. Uh, and, and I definitely think that there's some of that, uh, you know, certainly from an ethical standpoint and, and elsewhere, kind of that, that mind view in terms of just um, people and how we treat people and so forth. But I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I call him a stoic, but I would certainly say that Dale Carnegie, who was a man of the world, was influenced by a lot of different uh, thoughts. Well, the funny thing about the Stoics and Marcus Aurelius was they weren't Stoics in the way in which we think about them or the way in which the word uh, has meaning today. True. It seems to me, um, Joe, that there are two ways that one can respond to our age of anxiety, either to retreat, to move away from the world, to move into oneself, or to take the world on. I'm guessing that Carnegie would say that we need to be brave. In terms of taking command, bravery is important, isn't it? Willing to take risks, willing to fail, willing to make fools of oneself. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly, I think he would say, you know, um, we have one life and live life to the fullest. And what you don't want to do is to get to the end of your life and just see it filled of regrets, of, of, of fears, of cowardice throughout your life. And, you know, and, and part of his view is that people have, there's every reason that people should have confidence. They should believe in themselves. They should take risks. And if, if things don't work out the way that you want them to, learn and move on. He's someone who had many failures in his life and he learned from those failures and he he, he wrote about those types of things. And, and so I, part of the reason this book is called Take Command is because we believe that's, that's the, the responsibility, the opportunity that we have. We cannot, and there's, and there's so many forces that kind of pressure us to this, this internal retreat as you kind of referred to it. And, um, and that, that's not healthy. It's, we, need, we need to have interaction with other people. Our relationships are really important. How do we have good relationships in an era where it's, it's often harder, where it can be polarizing, where 
views and, and, and opinions are so strong. How do we interact with difficult people? That's, that's part of what we talk about in part two of the book is how do you overcome that? How do you deal with feedback? How do you deal with criticism? How do you deal with all the different things that you might experience interacting with other people? Some people might be watching this or listening to it, Joe, and thinking there are people around these days who have, have read Carnegie almost too well, the Elon Musks of the world, the great egoists, the multi-billionaires who rule our world. Um, are there warnings in Carnegie or in your new book, Take Command, about egoism, about allowing all this to go too far, about giving back? It's one thing to take command of one's life and be successful. But once one's achieved that, doesn't one have a responsibility to give back? 100%. We, we do talk, the entire third part of the book is about, it's about future, but it's also about meaning and legacy. It's about, you know, what contribution do you want to make in the world? And we, we give lots of really, um, I think, pretty interesting and insightful and inspiring examples of people who've done that. There's a young woman named Daniela, Daniela Fernandez, um, who was a 19-year-old Georgetown student who uh, decided she wanted to, to take action to save the ocean. She's created the, the largest sustainable ocean alliance uh, organization of its kind in the world that's really helping protect the oceans. Um, and there, there are lots of examples like that of where, I mean, people need to be connected to their values. Um, so for her, that might have been her value. You, Andrew, might have a, a, a different value. You might have a different uh, purpose. But what we want people to do is to think, beyond themselves. We talk a little bit about purpose um, in the sense that, you know, you've got kind of a, a small purpose and a big purpose. And, and, you know, how do you define that for yourself? And it's up to you to define that. But often, you know, we, we find in one part of our lives, we're about getting to a certain level. And then we get to a certain age and we start to realize and recognize our mortality. And, you know, we try to, try to bring all those ideas into this book to get people thinking about them now. Well, it's an important book uh, uh, built on Carnegie principles. Carnegie, of course, was the author of How to Stop Worrying and Start Living. I can't resist uh, a little bit of fun at the end, Joe. Uh, the great movie, uh, Stanley Kubrick's movie, was Dr. Strangelove or How I to Learn to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, which is a parody, I guess, of self-help, maybe not of Carnegie. But worrying, in all seriousness, worrying still human. We don't want to completely liberate ourselves of anxiety. It's still what defines us, isn't it? We don't want to be walking around and not worrying. We don't want complete control. We always want to have a degree of anxiety. Is that fair? Well, I think the, the, the important distinction is, and we're going to have it whether we want it or not, we're going to have some level of anxiety or worry. It's a human emotion. And so part of what we talk about in the book is how can you, that emotion serve you? So if you're worried about something, there may be a really good reason why you're worried about it. Maybe it's because you need to prepare for something. Maybe it's because you need to plan ahead. Maybe it's because, you know, but we talk about befriending your emotions um, you know, having your emotions act almost like as a, a early warning signal so that if I start to feel something, it's like, well, time out. OK, what am I feeling here? Um, you know, why am I feeling this? Uh, what do I need to do about it? So it, it's it's not that um, people aren't going to have those kinds of, of feelings or emotions. It's what do you do when you have those? Do you go that follow the spiral down into a place of that can be very dark or do you use that as something that says, all right, what's this telling me and how do I uh, 
act in a constructive way. But but just to be clear, this is not, and there's nothing in this book that's about kind of this toxic pos positivity that says we should be walking around with smiles on our faces all the time. The reality is that there's there are times in our life lives for grief, for sadness, for all kinds of things. And the, the better equipped we are at understanding those emotions and defining them and being able to work with them, uh, the, the more secure and happy we're going to be. Well, it's good you don't live in California, Joe. You're in Michigan, so that toxic optimism you talk about um, uh, is comes naturally to us Californians, maybe not to you Michiganers. Uh, the new book by Joe Hart and Michael Crom uh, is just out, Take Command. Uh, uh, find your inner strength, build enduring relationships, and live the life you want. I think it's the kind of book many of us need for the new year. Congratulations. Uh, Joe on the book and stay in touch and we'll talk okay. again in the not too distant future. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me on your show. Thanks so much for watching this Keenon show. I hope you were inspired in some way. I hope you found it interesting. And if you want more of these kinds of shows, you need to subscribe uh, to the podcast uh, on the Apple or or, or CastBox or Spotify platforms, all major podcast platforms carry the Keen On Show. Or you can also watch live uh, on my Twitter page, uh, my LinkedIn network, uh, or on LitHub's uh, Facebook Live page. Um, I also hope you'll decide to follow me on Substack. Uh, I have uh, a newsletter on Substack in which I develop and expand on a lot of the themes we discuss in the uh, Keen On show. And I hope you'll also follow up with me personally, uh, perhaps uh, to give suggestions for future shows. You might email me at a.keen at me.com, or you may also email me with suggestions about potential guests. I'm very open, uh, very eager, in fact, to have requests, ideas of of people with interesting new books and projects, which I need to talk about. So thanks so much again for, for, for watching Keen On. I'm thrilled that you're a member of our community and I'll look forward to hearing from you in the not too distant future.